Hello, and welcome to the Wild Sacred Journey podcast. Think of this as the village bonfire where we gather to share individual and collective stories and wisdom to inspire, repair, and activate evolutionary magic on this human spirit path. Through gathering together for the deep conversations and truth-telling that honor life's ability to rub us raw and real, we change our inner cultures now, planting seeds for a wiser future. I'm your host, Kate Powell, an intuitive interpreter of the stories your body holds and a wisdom embodiment guide. My gift and passion is witnessing humans into their deepest, most sacred truths, leaving them more whole and more available to their heart's aliveness in the process. Feel the spark? Let's gather in for real conversations of mystery and humanity. Hi, welcome to episode one of Wild Sacred Journey podcast. So I want to start off each episode with taking a moment, and you can do it where you are, I'm going to do it where I am, to just acknowledge the land that we're on, that holds us, that nurtures us, that cares for us, to acknowledge the ones who have come before, both on this land, wherever you are, And then also have come before in our own lineages, because those things may not be the same. Acknowledge the ones who will come after. And to just take a moment to feel ourselves in a web of community and care, whatever that looks like, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's our beyond human kin, Hmm. Well, let's take a few deep breaths together, just inhaling, outhaling, exhaling. And I'm going to light a candle, this bonfire, the village fire that we're gathering around. May its spark, its flame bring us together and illuminate something we each need for our collective inspiration, repair, evolution. Hmm. So for episode one, since it's the name of my podcast and my business, Wild Sacred Journey, and I find it an orienting principle and approach, I wanted to start unpacking what those words mean in this context, Um, what Wild Sacred Journey encompasses, why I think that approach is important or what's possible when we start to look at our lives as Wild Sacred Journeys, and then some practices I found to be foundational in embodying that approach through our lives. So what is a wild sacred journey? I think it's harmony and alignment in motion. So what does that mean? So we're souls having a human experience. We are frequency brought into form for the evolution of something profound, something wise, something loving. And so when all of those things are in harmony, are in alignment, and in motion, we have life. So I think Wild Sacred Journey encompasses all of that, right? It's an approach that brings us into harmony, brings our animal bodies and instincts with our soulful intuition into harmony so that we can use the totality of who we are and what we have in our toolbox while navigating the uncertainties of life, right? Because life is hard (laughs) and it's beautiful. And it's full of paradox and growth cycles 
It's also unknown and uncontrollable, which can feel really scary sometimes. And so I think to be truly whole and truly powerful, we need to embrace all of that, right? And so by embracing all of that, we actually become like wider, deeper, and more whole containers, containers for our experiences, right? So that we can live fully, so that we can feel less like life is happening to us and more like life is happening for us, right? That's a key piece of feeling powerful. This also means that it's a journey in some ways of remembering, right? Life, the hardships of life, the challenges of life can fragment us um, in, internally and also in our relationships with each other, right? Rupture happens. And so through finding, through embracing sort of this harmony and alignment of our totality, this wild sacred journey, our animalness, our humanness, the mess, the wildness, the rawness, right? The ugliness with also the beauty and the sacredness and um, the power and the illumination and the evolution and the love and the growth, right? By bringing all of that together, life and death all wrapped into one, you know, what we, what we find is that that brings those parts of us, those fragments, those ruptures, that brings us back into repair, those bring, that brings us back into wholeness. And when we become whole, we become a container rather than a colander, right? We become something that can actually hold what it is we're here to steward, life force energy, love, um, abundance, material resourcing. Um, so in that sense, it's a journey of becoming whole. Now repairing ruptures, those ruptures often happen too. We often cling to ruptures, right? Because there was a reason we put certain patterns in place after our rupture happened to help us survive, to help us feel strong in that moment. And those may or may not serve us for the rest of our lives, right? So there's also a process of unbecoming that has to happen on a wild sacred journey, right? We have to be willing to shed. We have to be willing to molt, to compost, to allow for many small deaths along the way, to lose things, right? to become raw, trusting that through the unbecoming, we're not losing who we are, we're losing all the buildup, all the pieces that we've gotten confused about or started to think are who we are, or that someone told us are who we are, that actually are not true, right? And that actually don't nourish and serve the deeper roots of who we are. All of that means too then that a wild sacred journey is actually a wisdom path. It's about becoming wise through our experiences, right? And wisdom, having experiences is not the same as becoming wise through our experiences, right? Becoming um, knowledgeable, right? Or experienced through experiences is not the same as becoming wise. Because becoming wise taps into something mm, that can take into account not just the things that have happened, but the different layers that go into the things that have happened, the layers between the past, the present, and the future, right? So that means, too, a wild sacred journey is a journey of courage, courage and compassion and curiosity. One of my teachers used to call it vitamin, take your vitamin Cs, the three Cs. 
curiosity, compassion, and courage. So what's possible when we embrace this concept of the wild sacred journey, when we embrace our own wild sacred journeys, right? The big questions I see a lot of my clients asking themselves and that I find myself asking, right? The big questions that I think are just the most human questions. How do I skillfully navigate my life, my relationships? How do I live purposefully and with meaning? What can I do to leave the world better than I found it, right? And so all of that actually comes back to, you know, it's questions of legacy. It's questions of like, we all want to feel like we've contributed something, right? So it's, it's actually legacy and contribution are actually questions of relationship, questions of community, questions of being our own unique part, right? Our own whole container and yet having that container exist interconnected in a web with the rest of life. And what's possible when we start to embrace that is that we, when, we, when we're fragmented, when there's a lot of rupture that hasn't been repaired in our lives that leads to anxiety, depression, um, stress, um, it can lead to just all kinds of like survival patterning, right? All kinds of Um, unhealthy attachments, unhealthy addictions, unhealthy, um, yeah, patternings um, for our, in our relationships with ourselves, with the world, with each other, with how we use and relate to resourcing, right? With how we use and relate to each other. And so to embrace this approach, is to actually bring us into contact with those deeper questions, those questions of relationship. How and what can I contribute? What kind of legacy will I leave? Who's contributed? What has contributed to me being here now? And how do I be in reciprocity with that? Right? And because so many of our aches are about belonging, right? They come back to a rupture around how we feel our innate sense of worthiness, our innate sense of relationship to place to each other. That when we can embrace this concept of the wild sacred journey, we actually come back into a deep, deep sense of belonging to ourselves, to each other, to the world. And that shifts everything. So how do we start to sort of skillfully navigate? What are some of the tools? So uh, being on a wild sacred journey path is a lifelong practice, right? And we often need support on it. Although we do have to be in full agency and full choice and full responsibility for ourselves, for our journey, right? We can't outsource our growth. We can't actually outsource our journey to somebody else, but we're also not meant to do this alone. So we're meant to find guides. We're meant to find collaborators. We're meant to find peers, right? So for me, I think the first big step is embodiment. And we hear that word a lot. And when I say embodiment, I'm not just talking about movement or this sort of somewhat amorphous concept of like being in your body, right? For me, it means actually gaining a fluent, gaining fluency in being human. 
So that might mean emotional fluency, understanding and being open to your emotions and what they're trying to tell you and being able to notice in each moment what's actually coming up for you so that you can communicate with yourself and with others in a different, um, more authentic, more intimate, more um, self-responsible and responsive kind of way, right? It's about subtle body fluency. It's understanding the, your nervous system. It's understanding how energy is moving through your system, right? It's understanding um, legacies that your ancestors may have left that are in your body that you may not have known about, right? Or you may not consciously know about. So, through that, what we're doing by what I, you know, by gaining fluency and being human is we're tapping into the wisdom that's in our bodies, right? Wisdom is not just a spiritual thing. Our bodies carry ancestral lines, they carry collective knowledge, they've co-evolved in this world, maybe not our specific bodies, but the body, the collective body of humanity has co-evolved in this world, right? With plants, with animals, with geography. And so there is, there's hard-won wisdom and knowledge that we carry in our bones. And when we can tap into that, acknowledge that, live with a sense of interconnectedness with that, with our subtle and physical forms, with the world around us, that's what embodiment is. And it allows for a deeper relationship with our own experience. It allows us to be more available for ourselves and others, which means not only do we actually are we less likely to cause harm, but we're more skilled at repair when harm happens. And so how do we start to tap into embodiment? I think movement is a powerful practice as long as we're doing it mindfully. So mindful movement, um, movement that's linking breath, that's bringing our awareness to how it feels to move our body to what's happening in our body. And especially if those movement practices are not sort of this like, we're not beating our bodies up, right? Or trying to tame our bodies into some idea that society has, that our overculture has gifted us about how our bodies should look, right? So that's not, that's not a mindful movement practice. That's not an embodiment practice. But mindful movement, movement that brings us into relationship with body, right? Ritual can be a really powerful embodiment practice. It helps us bring our spiritual practices and our relational practices, because spiritual practices are relational practices. It helps us bring them into form, these more subtle things. Um, eating well, and I don't mean that in, in like a dietary kind of way, but just in a um, eating food that has been grown in ways that are helpful to the environment, that are helpful to the earth, that honor the earth. Um, having the energy of the foods be, be beautiful, have the food be respected, right? And if we don't have access to that food, then we do the best we can and we honor that food before we eat it, right? So just being in some kind of deeper relationship with our food. Um, caring for the earth might mean doing trash pickups, that might mean planting things, that might mean um, honoring roadkill when you drive past it, right? Taking a moment to just acknowledge that that, that, that being lost its life, right? to our man-made machines, to our man-made cars, right? Um, or anything, anytime we come into contact with death, right? Honoring that. 
um, maybe setting up an ancestral altar space, right? Or somehow doing something that's to make the world better in the future for the, you know, doing something that's for the generations to come. It can also be recognizing our place in things, right? Including our inherent worth to take up space. That's a whole practice in and of itself. And to use the right amount of resources, right? So checking in with ourselves, am I hoarding? Am I overbuying and overconsuming? Am I underconsuming? right? We can't live life without creating some kind of ripple. That's not the point. So it's about being in action and engagement rather than in theory about all of these things, right? And I wanna take a quick note too. Um, if you have chronic pain or some sort of um, disability or different ability, right? Then, then being the idea of quote unquote, being in your body of embodiment sometimes can feel really challenging because if our bodies are feeling uncomfortable or unsafe or painful, that can create a rupture in our sense of trust with our body. So really all of this is, is just about finding ways to build a relationship of trust with our body as it is, not in some sort of ableist sense of like, well, I can trust my body when it's skinny or I can trust my body when it's healthy or I can trust my body when it's, you know, whatever. So another, to have a deep relationship with body, with self, with the environment, we have to be, we have to be able to listen, right? So this is not listening. So that's, that's step number two is listening or practice number two, I should say is listening. So not listening to respond or be right, not listening to prove, not listening to teach or to be power over, right? It's really relational listening. So life is dialogue, even with what's unspoken or beyond language. So when I used to teach yoga, um, you know, I remember that it was so easy sometimes to, to, to feel like standing in front of the room, I would be the only one speaking, you know, the bodies, people would be moving and breathing in the room. And it's so easy to think of spaces like that as like monologues. Right. But for me, it wasn't. It was always a dialogue because people were the people in the room, the practitioners were speaking to me. They were speaking to me through their breath, through their facial, facial expressions, through the energy of the room, through the way their bodies were moving. And so because of that, I was in dialogue. Right. It's the same when I plant a plant in my yard, a new plant. I'm in dialogue with the yard. Where does this plant want to go? It's not my brain saying, oh, this would look nice over there although sometimes my brain wants to give that information, <laughs> but it's about asking the land, where would you like this plant to go? Would you like this plant? Where would you like it to go? And then actually listening for the answer and honoring it even when I don't like it. <laughs> and that's the hard part, but that's the key piece about listening, right? Is that we have to be willing to sometimes be wrong. We have to choose being connected over being right. So how do we practice that? Meditation is a really good way to start to be able to hear um, the quieter, more subtle things, right? To practice getting quiet enough ourselves that we're available to nonverbal um, communication. Ritual is another way to practice listening, especially combined with meditation. Um, Intuition is intuitive practices are ways to start getting in, whether it's tarot cards or runes or 
Um, there's so many crystal workings, right? There's so many different types of intuitive practices out there. But again, it's about, they're about, it's helpful if we use them to listen, right? To our inner wisdom and not listen as in um, like give my power away to something outside of myself, but listen to be in relationship with. Um, the, another way to practice listening is to actually practice symbolism and like mythopoetic stuff, right? To actually practice listening to, to, the, to the myths and the themes and storytelling, to actually track what's happening in our bodies as we're watching stories and notice what themes, what archetypes are coming up and are trying to speak to us and deliver messages, right? Because again, that's going to bring us into a relationship with something more subtle, something less obvious, something that often is harder to listen to, but holds keys for sort of our next evolutionary growth in like sort of this deeper way. It's also about practicing another key practice is how to listen from the heart versus the mind. And so heart-centered practices and heart-centered meditations are going to help with that a lot. So that sort of segues then into what I think the third um, main path is, which is questions more than answers right? We have to be willing to be curious. This is where that curiosity comes in. We have to be willing to unlearn things. We have to be willing to be open. We have to be willing to grow and compost and be courageous, right? Because what we are the expert in will always be the thing that we are so passionate about that we are always learning about it, right? So we're not an expert through the answers we have, but through the questions that we keep asking so that we keep finding more and more depth, more and more wisdom. So how do we do that? Practices in humility, right? That's always a practice. Always learning. Devotion, which I sort of like better than discipline. Devotion being, um, yeah, giving ourselves over to the constant pursuit or to the dedication to something, right? Um, tracking practices, right? Actually learning to pay attention to the environment, learning to be open and to receive information, to process through that information in our bodies and our hearts and our minds all together, right, in an integrated way, and then take action from there. So number four, that sort of brings all of that kind of, I think, ties into what I think sort of the fourth skillful navigation tools, fourth practice for all of this is, which is a practice of eldership and wisdom. Right. And so, again, experience, like I talked about, experience can experience and or experience can make us wise. And the difference between that is like, are we letting are we letting life rub us raw? Thin us out in some ways while still becoming whole or are we letting the friction of life build up thicker calluses between us and the world around us? Right. And that I think is the most profound question because, you know, with that friction, yeah, we can either we can either get more disconnected, we can either shrink in and build up thicker walls, or we can let it make us more available to more aliveness, to more relationship, to more connection, to more compassion, to more courage. Right. And that's the difference between wisdom and just becoming experienced. Right? That's the difference between becoming old and becoming an elder. And all of that, so those four, those are the four main um, practices that I think help us 
you know, in this approach, in this looking at our lives as these wild, sacred journeys, right? As becoming more whole, as becoming um, more in harmony, as becoming more connected and available for relationship. So I want to take a moment, though, because as always, right, there's like we learn things from each other and then we also have to take it back in and process it internally and find sort of our truth within that, right? So that we can bring our truth then forward to the community and share that. So what are your thoughts on Wild Sacred Journey as an approach, as a concept, as um, practices, right? Take a moment to feel into these words just right now where you are, wild, sacred, journey. What happens in your body, in your emotions, in your thoughts or memories? How do those words ripple through you? And then is there anything I missed? Any big takeaways you had? Any practices or skills that you feel it's important to develop for a wild sacred journey? I would love to hear about them. If so, you can leave me a comment on the anchor.fm platform um, where this podcast is hosted, or you can uh, message me on Instagram. My handle is at wildsacredjourney underscore KP, or you can email me kate at wildsacredjourney.com. Also, love it if you could support this podcast in its infancy either by sharing episodes you love or found transformative or inspiring or reparative with friends and family or rating it wherever you listen, right? All of that really helps. So thank you so much. Let me know how this all landed for you and I will see you next time.